Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another week of This Is Me Trying with Emily Weaver. I'm your host, Emily, and I'm so happy to have you here. I can't believe it's already our third week. We've been doing this for three weeks now. Like, that feels kind of crazy to me, but I'm so happy you're listening. Thank you so much for all your support. We've gotten so many nice DMs again about this last episode, so thank you very much. Um, this past weekend, I celebrated week, weekend two of my birthday weekend. Um, in my family, we like to stretch out birthdays as long as they can go, um, which I appreciate because it's my day. It's also my birthday month. So we did our birthday weekend part two this past weekend and I got to visit my parents. It was super fun. We went to the spa it was great. Scandinav Spa is my favorite place in the entire world. It's up at Blue Mountain and it really is a life changer. I love everything about it. You just go there and you do the cold plunges, you do the hot baths, you do some reading and some relaxing, you probably fall asleep a couple times. Uh, it is literally the best thing ever. I understand that people like to cold plunge, um, but I would not cold plunge unless there was a hot tub easily accessible from the cold plunge, which is what this spa does well. So anyway, I did that this past weekend. It was super fun. Um, I'm reading this awesome book right now, which I got to read a lot of last weekend. It's called Yours Truly by Abby Jimenez, and it's literally so good. Like, I can't imagine there's any way I'm not going to give it five stars unless the ending is horrendous, which I don't think it is because I'm reading it because so many people have given it five stars. So, I'm just, I'm just so excited by it. I love it. The characters are just, like, so good. It's, like, this very, like, they keep sending, like, letters back and forth and then they start, like, texting back and forth and then it's a little bit of a, like, fake girlfriend, fake boyfriend situation, which I also eat up. So that's been great. Loving that book. Probably finish it this weekend or early next week. But I've been reading it on my new Kobo, which I am loving. I just love it. It's so easy. I don't know. I just find it like somehow my brain is in like fun mode. Like I was talking about it. I don't know if I mentioned this in my goals podcast, but that like I'm trying to turn my phone addiction into like a Kobo addiction and I heard so many people when I was like thinking about wanting to get a Kobo who were like, oh, I like beat my phone addiction because I just trained my brain to like want to look at my Kobo instead of want to scroll on my phone. So I'm trying to do that and I think it's working because I really, really like reading on the Kobo. So if any of y'all are interested, hit me up. I want to talk shop with y'all about the e-readers. I feel like I'm like a 50-year-old or like 65-year-old person who just discovered technology for the first time. But anyway, I digress. Um, And then I have just been having a kind of crazy week this week. It's just been absolute insanity. And I feel like everybody is feeling this. It's like mid-January and like everybody's brains are like, how are we still in January? Like, um like just three weeks ago we were like you know singing Christmas carols and having a good time and now it's like it's slushy and disgusting outside and no one wants to do anything and yeah it just looks horrendous absolutely disgusting outside um and it's cold so I've just been hibernating 
which is fine too. And uh, this week I got back into my Animal Crossing game. So I've been having fun with that. So I hope you're staying cozy and staying indoors because outside is kind of fucking gross right now. Upcoming is very, very exciting. Upcoming, we have some very fun things happening. And the number one thing is that I'm going to Target this weekend. I am so excited about this. I loved Target when Target was in Canada. But also, when Target was in Canada, I was like in the seventh and eighth grade. So my disposable income levels were a little bit different then. And so I didn't actually, you know, there was not much purchasing that happened at Target when I was in the seventh and eighth grade. It was um, more like we would go, like my friends and I would have a sleepover and then we would go and get Starbucks because the Starbucks was in the Target. And then we would go walk around Target as like 13 year olds. And I know that was probably the most annoying thing ever, but it's okay. It was fun. Um, but my boyfriend is taking us on a little extra birthday trip. Um, for my birthday, he got me gift cards to Target and Trader Joe's because I'm obsessed and we're going to go to Target and go across the border. And I have not been to a Target since like the seventh or eighth grade, whenever it stopped being in Canada. And I'm just so excited for this. So, I mean, now I've kind of had like three birthday weekends in a row. And as I was saying, I love a birthday month. And so I've kind of been reflecting around like turning 23 and like what that means to me. And, you know, it's kind of a weird spot in your life to be. I've been reflecting about that a lot in that like I feel the most adult I've ever felt in my life. But also I feel so young at the same time. Like I look at people who are even like five years older than me and I'm like, wow, like they are so much older than me and like I don't know I feel like it's like I'm finally at the point where I'm like oh yes like I feel like an adult and I make adult decisions and I do adult things in my daily life but also I'm like am I not still just like a 16 year old girl like what like what happened between then so I've been kind of thinking about like life advice and like I feel like everyone learns a new life lesson every single year and like they carry those things with them throughout their life. And so I've compiled 23 things that I've learned by 23 and it's in no way an exhaustive list of everything I've ever learned. There are some things I wish I could tell my younger self and honestly my current self so that she feels like someone understands her. And so that's what I'm trying to get out of today's episode. I want to go back and tell my 8th grade self that she can slow down and I want to tell my 11th grade self to breathe. I want to tell my 3rd grade self that your so-called friends can be your biggest bullies and to tell my 10th grade self that too. I want to go and tell my 5th grade self that it's okay to like girls and my 7th grade self that it's okay to like boys. I want to tell my 18-year-old self that you don't need to know everything and my 23-year-old self that you still don't know everything, but you know a little bit more. I want to tell my younger self that she is kind, she will find her crowd, and that she has always known who she is. And without further ado, here are 23 things I've learned by 23. 
The first thing that I've learned is that you have to be your biggest advocate. No one is going to speak up for you and you have to ask for what you want. No one's just going to give you things because you really want it. You have to make sure that what you want is known to people. And also that if something isn't working for you, that you have to advocate that that's not working for you. Because a lot of times people don't know that and they don't know how you're feeling about something. Number two is that it's not that deep. Life is really not as deep as you think it is. And I've gone through most of my life thinking that it is that deep. And I think a wise piece of advice is that if it's not going to matter in five weeks, don't stress about it that much. Like, if it's not going to matter in five weeks, in five months, in five years, then, like, it doesn't need to ruin your life right now just because it feels like the most pressing thing that's happening at this current moment. Number three is let go of friends that don't bring you peace. I have had so many friends in my life that have made me feel so bad about myself and I don't know why I put up with it. And a lot of it is being a kid and being a teenager and life is tough and you want to find your crowd so deeply. But I had so many friends who just tore me down all the time, made me feel anxious, made me feel bad about myself. And I've had those friends in like almost every single stage of my life. And my advice is to let those friends go and find as much separation from them as you can. You know, like I understand social circle dynamics, but also like it's not worth having friends that stress you out or make you feel bad about yourself in order for you to have quote-unquote friends. Like, those are just people that don't need to be in your life and don't get to be in your life anymore. And number four jumps off of that is to keep friends that light you up. I now have friends that when I see them, when I talk to them, when I get a text from them, it makes me so happy. And I feel like having friends like that are so precious and they make your life so much better. And I feel like especially as women, having those female friendships is so unbelievably important. And I I now have friends that every time I see them, I know I'm going to have a good time. I'm never going to have to wonder what we're going to do when we hang out. I never have to worry about how someone's going to act or what I have to say in order for someone to react in an okay way or I never have to send text to my friend to check to make sure I can send it to another friend. You know, like, I don't need any of that drama, any of that back and forth anymore because I genuinely have friends who improve my life and I feel like make me a better person because of that. Number five is to embrace the cringe. So what I mean by that is, like, you're allowed to be nerdy and care about things that no one else cares about. You're allowed to find joy in things that, like, no one gives a crap about and, like, that is perfectly okay and I want you to have those things that you love that no one else loves. It's okay to be cringy. It's okay to be off-trend. It's okay to, like, just 
be passionate about things. And if you're surrounded by the right people, they won't care. They're going to think it's cool that you like something, you know, like the best people are excited about you when you're excited about the things that you're excited about, you know, like it's the, the worst types of people shit on you when you're excited about something. And I think we all have that kind of like trauma from middle school of like liking something and then being told you're dumb or you're nerdy or you're dorky for liking that. And I think as adults, it's okay to embrace the cringe and be a little bit, you know, weird or a little bit off trend. Like, it's okay and you will live, you know? Number six is don't make your title at work your whole personality. And this is something that I think a lot of us have to work on is like, I love my job and I'm very blessed to have loved the last couple of jobs I've worked. I've been able to be in jobs where I feel valued and where I enjoy the work that I'm doing and where I'm working on teams that I love. But at the end of the day, your job's not going to give you a gold star just because you made it your whole personality. Like, that's... And that's a hard one because as, like, a people pleaser, as an A-type person, as a person who really likes to excel at things, it's like, no, they're not going to give you a gold star just because you made it your personality and just because you care more about your LinkedIn profile than everybody else. Like, your job doesn't actually define you. Like, your job isn't going to give you more money just because, like, you're singing its praises and because you're like, ooh, I'm this title, you know? Like, find something else to introduce yourself with. Like, I think we're at a point where, like, when you're having, like, small talk with people, I'd like you to tell me something actually about yourself versus, like, this is me and I work for this company. Like, tell me what you do on the weekends, you know? Like, tell me what your hobbies are. Tell me, like, literally tell me what your favorite clothing brand is. Like, I don't need to hear that your job rules your life. And, like, I know I'm also very guilty of doing that, too, when I'm, like, proud to be in the position that I'm currently in. But I think also decentralizing work from your life will only help you in the long run and will only help you discover what things you actually enjoy and what you're passionate about outside of work. Number seven is you do not control other people. Whoa! Damn, that sucks. Um, yeah, I can tell that on to myself again. I do not control other people. Oh, that sucks. Um, that's some hard advice and, uh, we don't, we don't control other people. Other people are going to do whatever they're going to do and sometimes that sucks for you and sometimes people are shitty and sometimes we lose people because of this and, you know, sometimes it damages relationships, but we cannot control what other people are going to do and also we can't alter ourselves to make ourselves something that other people want you know like we just can't control other people and that truthfully is like something I have to continually remind myself over and over again 
because there are so many situations where I would have loved for a conversation to go the way I wanted it to or for, you know, a fight to go exactly the way I had it pictured in my head with all the backup lines I had stored up there, but it doesn't, you know, like in relationships, whether it's friends or, you know, an intimate relationship, people are going to do what they're going to do and you have to be okay with that and you have to adapt and understand that you, to be in a relationship with these people, you have to accept someone for their whole self and what they're bringing, not just trying to squeeze people into the box that you want them to be in. And number eight is that you can have friends for different seasons and different reasons. Some friends come into your life at different times and they're there for specific reasons. So like, for example, your work friends are there for work and like sometimes those trail into outside of work relationships, but they're there to make you feel like you have a sense of community at work and you feel like you can talk to them about different things and they'll back you up. And then, you know, there's your absolute best friends who are always going to be there no matter what. And so I think there's like people who will come in for different circumstances and that's actually really great. I used to always just imagine that I needed this like core group of best friends and those were the only people I could ever be friends with. And then it's like, what if actually like, you know, what if Susie is your friend for going to the movies and both of you always go to the movies together and you love the movies, but you and Susie don't really hang out unless you're going to the movies. But the second a movie comes up, you're like texting Susie immediately and you're like, hey girl, let's go to the movies, you know, like, or you can have friends that you, you know, you exercise with. Maybe there's that friend that you love to go on hikes with and you're like, okay, great. Anytime I want to go on a hike, anytime I want to go to a gym class, anytime I want to go, you know, do Pilates, that's my girl, you know, like that's who I'm going to call up. And then of course you're going to have your core friends, you know, or maybe you're just going to have that core one friend who's your all over friend. You know, it's not just like a specific activity friend, but I think it's important to have a diverse range of friends because then you're never going to be alone. You're always going to have someone to do something with. And I think that's the way that kind of adult friendships work is that you're always going to have friends in kind of different stages of your life. And those friends kind of mold and shift as you kind of grow up, you know? Number nine is you can change your mind. And I mean that in the sense of like, just because you're going down one path, does not mean you need to stay on that path. And so many people choose to start over and that's perfectly okay. It does not matter how much time or money you've invested into something where you can't change your mind. Like, there's so many people who do a year of school and then decide it's not for them and drop out and then they come back later and they're like, oh, actually, I found this crazy thing I actually want to go to school for that I had no clue when I did my first try at school. And it's like, what would have happened if you would have just like kept going and you didn't even know that that was your passion and that's what you actually want to go to school for? And it's like so many people also, once they start going down a path, that's when you can finally decide if you actually want to do it or not. Like, I feel like especially in terms of school it's like 
at 18, you're in high school and you're told, hey, you have to choose what you want to do a four-year degree in and let's hope that's what you want to do for the rest of your life. Like what? <laughs> it's so crazy to me. It's like the person I was at 18 versus the person I am now are completely different people and we also don't want the same things, you know? Like <laughs> it's okay to change your mind and it's okay to do the whole degree and then decide that wasn't for you. Like there's so many people who go through life and just continually learn as they go. I think it's like this idea that I had for so many years of like, if I invested in something, if I stopped doing it, that would have been a waste of my time. It's like, that's a false narrative. You can't see all of your options without going down one path. And so I think if you choose to pick something else, that is entirely okay. And I implore it. I think you're brave if you want to choose to change your mind. Number 10 is you need to put in the work to keep relationships. Okay, this was a big one that I learned when I first started dating my boyfriend, Dan. I know it sounds silly, but I didn't understand at the time that I had to prioritize him over other things in order to keep a relationship with him. I think I just was at a point in my life where I had so many things in my life that I felt like I didn't really control. And so I just assumed that all of those things had to come above him when in reality that was never the case. And I think he was showing me over and over and over again how he was prioritizing me in his life because we were long distance. He would come out and visit me all that, like, you know, every weekend he could. And I wouldn't really prioritize him while he was doing that. And I think it's like, I didn't understand that in order to maintain that relationship and grow that relationship, I had to actually put it above other things. I just assumed all things would go on the same level. And that is not true. And that's something that I really do think about a lot now in terms of my friendships because I'm like, if I don't prioritize these friends, I'm just not going to have a relationship with them. Like, at this point, there's nothing in my life that I interact with my friends on a daily basis. Like, I don't see them on a daily basis. They don't live anywhere near me, you know? So, it's like I'm not just running into them casually. And so, in order to see them, I actually have to, like, text them and be like, hey, let's hang out. Or I actually have to like wait for them to text me to be like, let's hang out. You know, like we need to prioritize each other in order to actually see each other. Otherwise, we don't have a relationship, you know, and it was the same with him. Like if I just wasn't prioritizing him, I really think we probably wouldn't be together as long as we were. If I wouldn't figure that out, I don't think we would be together now. Like it's one of those things where you just kind of have to learn that. And thankfully, it didn't take me that long to learn it, but I do really feel like it was a very important lesson that I did learn. Number 11 is finding out what brings you joy and never letting go. And I think this relates to all aspects of your life. I think you know yourself better than anyone else and you know 
what the things are in your life that bring you joy. And if that's your job, if that's your dog, if that's your partner, if that's your friends, if that's the park by your house, if that's the sun shining through your window, if that's, you know, your apartment building, like any of those things that bring you joy. And I just don't want you to compromise that for anything. I think you know yourself the best and you know what brings you joy. And I think you just need to make sure that, again, you prioritize that in your life. Number 12 is know who your supports are for the different parts in your life. And this is kind of the same idea as like segmenting your friends into different parts of your life, but also knowing who your support systems are for different things. So for me, like I know who I can rely on at work, you know, like I know who the people at work that I can go to talk to if I'm, you know, struggling or if I need someone to look over something. And then I also know like, you know, for example, if I'm having a bad day, who am I going to call? You need to know who is going to come on a walk with you when you're sad or whatever it is. Like, I think you need to know who those people are that you can call when you're struggling or when you need that kind of help. Number 13 is doing nothing is okay too. That is a big one. I did not probably learn this until... I would say maybe I was 20 or 21. I have just grown up my entire life assuming that I always have to be doing something productive. And I didn't understand that I also could do things that were not productive at all. Like just like sit on the couch and do nothing. And I think I didn't realize that. For so long because I didn't understand that the things that I thought were like not doing anything, I was actually doing something. You know, like I think it was that I didn't realize that the things that I was doing that I thought were restful weren't actually resting. Like it was like, I was like, okay, I have some free time. What should I do? I could like sit on the couch and hang out or I could go you know, read this book because I feel like I really need to read this book. Not because I like want to and that would like chill me out. It's because like I feel like I need to read this book in order to feel productive and like I used my time wisely. And like it sounds so simple and so dumb, but I didn't even realize that I could just do nothing. And now maybe I do nothing sometimes too much, but it's okay. I know that now my rest does not need to be productive, which I think is a great lesson to learn. Number 14 is real love does not bring drama into your life. I think that's a lesson that a lot of people could still learn and that's why I'm kind of bringing it up. I knew this, but I didn't feel this until my current relationship. Like, I knew that love should not be bringing drama into my life, but it wasn't until this current relationship that I'm in that I actually understood what it felt like to be loved unconditionally and what it felt like to not have drama be a central pillar of our relationship. In my past relationship, everything always felt chaotic, and now my relationship just brings me peace, and it's the most solid part of my day. It's a thing that I can always rely on and I can always count on. And people always talk about how hard relationships are, but I don't think they're hard. I think they just take work. 
And I don't equate those things together. Like, my relationship is not hard. Like, not at all. But it does take work. You know, like, we have to intentionally choose each other all the time. We need to content intentionally prioritize our each other. And we need to be intentional about how we're treating each other. You know, like, those things are all important. But I think that's being in a relationship with anyone and being kind to people. I don't think your relationship should be hard. And maybe that's a hot take. But I don't think it should be hard for you to be in love with someone. And I think if it is hard and it feels hard, then I think that's time to maybe reevaluate what your relationship looks like and what you're actually getting out of it. A great healthy relationship won't feel like that. It'll feel supportive and it'll feel good and you'll feel valued and you'll feel like someone really, really cares about you. And sometimes it'll just feel mundane. And I think I didn't realize that until I started being in this relationship because I feel like so many other relationships I were I was in it just felt so anxiety provoking and they just felt so chaotic and they just felt like everyone else was involved in my life and now I just feel peace and I really hope that you find that in your own life because once you do it really it really is the ultimate game changer and I think that's when you know you found the one number 15 your anxiety does not rule your life and I think I'm working on that, I mean, still even now. It's such a big feeling and, like, I feel like I'm always at, like, a 2% of anxiety every day. Like, some days it's, you know, I'm at, like, 95% of my body is anxiety. But I feel like there's always just, like, a low level of it at all times. And I've learned to be okay with that and to manage that and I have coping mechanisms and I've been to lots of different therapists and I, you know, I have ways that I know how to cope, but I think I have to constantly remind myself that anxiety does not rule my life and that I can do things even if my brain tells me I should feel super anxious about them. Like, there's so many social situations where I'm like, why am I overthinking this? Why, you know, maybe I just shouldn't even go. Like, I'm, I'm, you know, rethinking the entire thing. I can't go. And I'm like, those are the most important times for me to actually go and do the thing because I'm actually telling myself in that moment that, like, actually you can do it, you know? Like, you can overcome those anxious thoughts and you can actually not have the anxiety mess with your day and mess with your life. And number 16, a walk outside really can fix a lot of your problems. And I think that also doubles down on the anxiety thing of like, sometimes it sucks to hear this, but like you do actually have to get up off the couch and or your bed and go outside and at least challenge yourself to go outside and breathe some fresh air and see you feel even one percent better. I'm not saying that going for a walk will cure anxiety. I know that that is not true because it has not worked yet, but it has 100% of the time made me feel at least one percent better. So sometimes it makes me feel 50% better now that I've gone on a walk, but it has at least made me feel one percent better. 
So I try to remember that when I'm, you know, rotting away in my bed and feeling like the world is coming down on me that sometimes you just do have to get out of the house and take a deep breath outside and see if that will at least clear your mind for a second. Number 17 is to let go of timelines and future expectations. Eighth grade me had a lot of plans that 23-year-old me has never or will never accomplish. Eighth grade me was really ambitious. She had a lot of ideas about what my life would look like now that is nowhere near gonna happen. In the eighth grade, I was like 14, and I imagined in my mind that by 22, I would finish school. At that time, I already knew I was on the university track. You know, she was, she was on her way. And then at 22, I'd finish school. By 23, I would be married. And by 25, I would have kids. And now I'm 23 and I am still not married and happily not married currently. And kids are so far out of my view that, like, it's not even a talking discussion point. Like, it's, it's actually insane to think that, like, 14-year-old me was, like, so set, like, that's how it was going to happen. I also was, like, not thinking at all that, it, like, at some point I had to, like, find a person to marry. That wasn't in the trajectory. It was just, like, by 22, finish school. By 23, married. By 25, babies. <gasps> that's horrendous. That's so fucking scary to me. Um, she was chaotic, apparently. But, um, you know, you can do what you're gonna do. But that's not what I'm gonna do. But I do feel like the pandemic really changed my trajectory of, like, how I think about future planning. And it more made me think more about the present than ever. And I was like, okay, what do I want today? Like, not what do I want in five years, but what do I want now? And what what do I want my life to look like now? Because, unfortunately, we're not guaranteed five years from now. We're not guaranteed ten years from now. We don't know what those things are going to look like. We don't even know what tomorrow's going to look like. And so, I've tried to make myself feel more present and more in the moment so that I actually have lost track a lot of these timelines. Like, I don't hold those future expectations over myself anymore. And I think that's actually really, really freeing. And it's really great to be in that kind of place now. Number 18 is love will find you when you least expect it. People always say this, but I really think it's true. When you're not looking, that's when you will find the person. You know, like, when you're just about to delete the hinge app, that's when the person's going to pop up on your screen. Or, you know, when you just got out of a relationship and you're so not ready to be in another one, that's when the right person's going to find you. It's like, it's not on your own plan. Like, when you're not looking, that's when the best people are going to come into your life. Number 19 is your opinions are valued and your voice is important. I think it's really important to not be afraid to speak up in meetings, in life, on social media. I think you never know who may think your idea is a great one. And if you share your opinions, people will start to trust you and they're going to start to want to hear more of what you have to say. It's never going to be a bad thing to speak up and give your opinion. 
I think so often we're scared of what the response may be, but every single time I've ever spoken up about something that I actually had an opinion on, it went well, you know, like it was received well. And so I think it's important that people understand where you're coming from and that people know that you have valuable things to say. Number 20 is that you should rest in the way that you need. And what I mean by that is that self-care can look a lot of different ways for a lot of different people. I think social media makes self-care look like bubble baths and spa days, but it's not really that at all. Self-care and rest can look however you want it to look. It can be, you know, sitting down after a long day and watching YouTube videos for an hour. It can be going on a walk after work. It can be making sure that you get enough nutrients in the foods that you're eating and that you're sleeping well. It could be, you know, going to bed early. It can be having a good phone call. Rest doesn't need to look a specific way in order for it to feel restful for you. And I think that once you figure out the best way for you to rest, that's when you're going to actually feel that rest for yourself. Number 21 is to fake it till you make it. Do your best with what you have and keep trying to level up your skills until you actually know more. I think we can all stand to have a little bit more confidence in ourselves and a little bit more understanding that we probably have a little bit more knowledge than we think we do. And so I implore you to fake it till you make it a little bit more in your life. Number 22 is that it is okay to ask for help. It goes off of this last one of even though we think that we can fake it till we make it, sometimes we actually can't and you do need to ask for help. And I think people sometimes see asking for help as a weakness, but I actually think it's a strength. I think it's important if you know who you can ask for help in those situations. Like it's it's always going to be okay to ask for help and 99% of the time, no one is ever going to think that's a bad thing that you ask them for help. And number 23 is it is okay to be seen trying and failing. You are okay to mess up and you're okay to let other people see that. It's not this big facade of like you have your whole life together and like all this stuff. It's like actually all of us are trying and all of us are failing daily. And like this podcast is called, this is me trying and this is me failing and this is me doing my best. And I think if we all take a little bit more compassion to ourselves and we put ourselves out there a little bit more, then I think that's a little bit of a better world. And yeah, that is my 23 list. It's pretty, it's pretty deep. I don't know. I've, I got a lot of opinions on it. I just feel like it was really helpful for me to kind of go back and envision myself in kind of the different stages of my life and what I feel like that girl needed to hear. And I feel like there are also things that I still need to hear every single day in order to be the person that I am today. And so I really hope that you felt heard in this list. I really hope that you felt understood. 
And I really hope that there's something that you can take with you this week, that you can give yourself a little bit more compassion, that you can allow yourself to breathe, and you can be a little bit kinder to yourself. So with that, that is today's episode. I'm so thankful for you listening. This has been This Is Me Trying with Emily Weaver. You can find me on Instagram at thisismetrying underscore pod. You can also listen on Spotify, Apple, iHeartRadio, YouTube, Amazon Music, and Google Podcasts. And I will be here next Friday for all of your podcasting needs. Thank you so much, and I will see you next week. Bye, guys.